Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range. Or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Thank you so much for tuning in today and every Wednesday as we talk about all things progress. I am so excited for the coming interviews that we have the next two months, and I hope you'll keep tuning back as well as sharing out. Last week, I mentioned one of the best things you can do to help the podcast is to share it, uh, both in person with people and on social media. And if you do it on social media, make sure you tag me at About Progress. Use the hashtag About Progress Podcast too, so that I can find you. Sometimes, when someone has tagged me, it gets lost in my notifications. You can't look after a certain point. And I would love to be able to communicate with you there. So make sure you're, not only do you tag me, but you use the hashtag about progress podcast. And I have been so blown away. I've gotten such kind emails from people, direct messages telling me some feedback that I needed as well as some positive words. And I've also gotten some great shout outs too for episodes that you've been liking. Thank you so much for responding to my request. If you want to see more of today's show notes, you can find those on my website, aboutprogress.com. You can also see more of me on Instagram and Facebook at About Progress. It's just fun to connect with you all there. This is an episode I have been really looking forward to sharing with you. It is with Tiffany Webster. Many of you will be familiar with her from her amazing talk at the Hope Works. Uh, a kind of TED-style symposium on faith topics. And Tiffany spoke on perfectionism and how it's the perfect lie. That video of her talk really did go viral. And when I saw it, I just felt so connected with her on so many levels, as did you. I know all of you did because she has been my most requested guest. And we finally got down to recording um, about a month ago, month and a half. And we're both really excited to share this. And Tiffany and I have 
a common vision and mission together, and we hope to, to work more in the future together to share our thoughts on a variety of topics. So you'll continue to hear from Tiffany on this podcast again. Tiffany is an amazing writer, such a good writer. You must check out her book, Embracing the Broken. It is so beautifully written. I have highlighted so much on each page. Tiffany, in this interview, goes a little bit more in depth with her own life history with perfectionism and how low it brought her and what she did to get out of it and what you can do as well in your own life to not be caught in the trap of perfectionism, but also still work on yourself and your life and make progress. I'm so grateful she took the time to talk to me because she is absolutely an expert on this topic and I know you will learn so much from Tiffany, but also in a real personal way. So let's turn to Tiffany. All right, I want to welcome Tiffany Webster. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Monica. How are you? I am so happy that you are here. We have been looking forward to this for quite some time and it feels like this was meant to be like this, the whole timing of how we're finally recording and what we're talking about. It's the right time. It's the right topic. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled you'd be on. I, I was wondering if you could start by giving our listeners a little introduction. Well, I'm just so excited that we finally, re- we've been trying to make this happen for a while now. Yeah. And I am just so excited. It finally came into place and that we could be doing this. So I love everything you're about, but yeah. So I'm Tiffany, and I i don't know why this question always makes me laugh. I Really, I'm just a hot mess and recovering perfectionist <laughs> who lives yeah. a pretty ordinary life. But I am cur- um, recently an author. I just published Yay. my first book. Yeah, it's so exciting. Kind of surreal, actually. Yeah. It's called Embracing the Broken, and I'm a speaker. But most importantly, I mean, I'm a mother of one little guy who's almost eight and then pregnant with our little miracle baby boy who will be due in January, which is so exciting for us. It's been a long, long road of infertility. And, um, yeah, I, I just, what else do you want to know? Oh, I want to know it all. (laughs) Okay. And I think (laughs) this is, this is what's so great about you, Tiffany, is I think people are familiar with you from, I mean, you have an Instagram account that you run. Can you tell us about that real quick so people know where to find you? Yeah, it's just Tiffany Webster, uh, Tiffany.Webster on Instagram, and where I do what I can to just bring goodness into social media yes. in that crazy world that we uh-huh. have. And I, I, I think a lot of people probably know me from my last year my hope works talk done by the mormon channel called the perfect lie yes and that's probably where a lot of people know me and which is still kind of crazy for me i think sometimes i just i'm just like i'm just an ordinary girl which i think we all feel like that but that is where a lot of people probably know me from is from that um experience that i had yes and so from that i feel like we we do know a lot about you we do have a lot of your wisdom But, you know, that talk could only be so long. And you have since written this incredible book, Embracing the Broken. And we're going to speak a little bit about that. Um, But today we're going to go more into talking about perfectionism, which I haven't done for a while with a guest. And we're going to talk about how that has played into your life, what you've learned about perfectionism, and what you hope others can learn, and, and just how... This applies to everyone out there, too, whether or not they think they're an overachiever or an underachiever. Um, you know, we, we have this drive in our culture. So we're going to talk about all these things. Um, and that's, that sounds like quite a lot. I, we might have to have you on like 10 times. <laughs> um, I'm all this. in. I, you know, I love talking about this. And so it just gets me all fired up. And yeah, yeah. I'm super passionate about this. So good. I know I'm this, all in. You know, when I was reading your book, I felt like our stories are like almost exactly the same, just a few differences. And I am seeing on social media, other people who have read it too are feeling the same. And so I think if, if we see that we all have this commonality of struggling with this issue in one way or another, this is 
really important. It's an important time to talk about it. So let's talk about perfectionism. So I wanted to start with you a little bit first. So were you born a perfectionist? Was I born a perfectionist? Yeah. Or did it come oh, later? Man. I think that's a tricky question. I don't think any of us are necessarily born yeah. a perfectionist. I believe that I was born, I talk about this in my book, a good, like, I just, I'm, I'm a doer and a, I want to achieve and I want to, I want to progress and I want to go. And I think what happened is uh, Satan is just so deceiving that he twisted and I became a perfectionist because that seemed like what I was supposed to do. That mm-hmm. seemed like success. Perfectionist, it didn't seem um, not, that's just what you do. You, you strive to be perfect. That's what the world tells us we're supposed to do. And so I think my personality and who I was easily just fell into naturally being a perfectionist because that's what I thought I was supposed to achieve to be successful in mm-hmm. this life. And so it I had with good all intentions. the right components. Yeah, it always starts with good intentions. And I just wanted to be good. I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to be seen. I think those are all things inside of us that we, mm-hmm. we all want. And and they're, they start out inherently good because we are powerful beings and we do want to make a difference. And that is good intentions. And so we all start with that. And so but Satan twists it into perfectionism, which doesn't come from God. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, a little more. But um, I just was I was born wanting to do good and be good and mm-hmm. make a difference and and do what I was supposed to do. Yeah. So which in which in turn got twisted and corrupted into perfectionism and the perfectionist. So but I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. yeah, that's the tricky thing. It's such a fine line. And I and I want to talk about that line and I want to talk about how to twist it back. Um but first, what is what did perfectionism look like externally? Like if someone were looking at you growing up, what would it look like to them? And I want to contrast that with what it actually looks like internally, what it really feels like to be perfectionism. So maybe you can go into that for us. Yeah, I think this is funny and it actually has come to fruition more since I've written my book because on the, the person being the perfectionist, it doesn't look, it is the complete opposite of what it's looking like externally. Mm -hmm. And so it's been funny now that I've opened up my heart and, and shared what was actually going on on the inside, how many people, especially from high school and uh, even my younger years were just like, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. You masked this. You, you were, I mean, I was straight A student involved in three sports, academic all state. I, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't say these things as pride, but I was just trying to achieve and be what I thought I needed to be and do all the things. And it seemed that I was happy. It seemed that I had it all together. It seemed and appeared that somehow I had super, I just could do it all. And people didn't know how I did it all. And I was fairly decent and good at everything I was doing, at least in high school. That's how it appeared. And as I continued to get older, that facade started breaking. Yeah. But it still it still appeared that way. It seemed that I was fine, that I was happy, mm-hmm. that I was living this perfect life. I didn't have problems. I didn't have issues. I somehow drew the lucky the lucky stick and I just was cruising in life, headed mm-hmm. in the right direction. Well, and it's so, so easy to keep that mask up. You know, you can do oh. that for a very long time. And from people who are most intimately a part of your lives, uh, or of your life, and, and they don't know, because that's part of the perfectionist myth, right? Is that you've got it all together. And that's the, the image you want to project. But we, life tends to level us anyway. <laughs> life. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah it's not possible. It's not possible to keep that facade up. So tell us when that started to to dwindle for you, that ability to keep up the facade and, and what, it, what, it, what it looked like in your life when it started to crumble. Um, yeah, that mask is so tricky. And I think 
obviously, again, it comes from an intention of, you know, we're told in our world, we got to be strong. We just, we have to be strong. We got to be the strong one and perfection, especially feel like they, they know better and they, they should be able to handle this. That should kills us as those uh-huh. who struggle with perfectionists. But I thinking. know better and I should, and I should mm-hmm. be doing this. And, and so you walk out of your house and you're crumbling inside, but a perfectionist, you know, we don't tell people we, we keep that all in and, and we go and we do and we stay strong and we have it together. And, and it's funny because I think that mask, I mean, college was a definitely a big turning point for me as that mask started to crumble, but I never felt like any of those things that I appeared, even as a teenager, mm-hmm. I felt like my life was a mess. I was a mess. I was anxious. I was so broken. Mm-hmm. I was and so, but I was still wearing that mask so strongly. And there was a time in college that I, I was just overdoing it. I had a, a full academic scholar at the same time I was playing. I had an athletic, like it was like a dual athletic and academic scholarship. And wow. I was playing softball and basketball. Yeah. At, I played a full year of basketball and softball and then four years of softball um, at the collegiate level. And I would have, but I also had an academic scholarship, so I was having to keep, you know, above a 3.8. And I yeah. was also on institute council and student government all mm-hmm. within these three years. So, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's just a hard time in life. It that, is. That time in life is, I don't ever want to go back to that, that time because you are struggling and everyone's asking you, like, what do you want to be? And what's your future look like? And where are you at? And it's just this whole ladder and I, and you're I, surrounded by the best of the best too. You, you brought that up in your book. Cause I had the same experience. Like people talk yes. about how hard high school was for me. That was my peak, you know, college yes. is where it was like, this, this stinks. <laughs> That's when you're being surrounded by how you're realizing, Oh, I'm not as amazing as I thought I was projecting to be. Well, and the world demands that you're perfect because yeah. I think that's such a trick, especially in college. I mean, I mean, a 4.0 isn't good enough anymore. You mm-hmm. have to like, you have to have above a 4.0, how even that works. And then <laughs> yeah. you have to like have the perfect ACT score and you have to, you know, you can't mess up in interviews and you can't, you've got to be the elite to get into programs. I mean, it's just such a competitive yeah. thing and then and then you're dating on top of that and mm. you're trying to find a spouse and you're trying to do all these other things and it's just so compacted and I was struggling with health issues at that time but yeah I wasn't sleeping in college I hmm. I didn't have time I didn't have, I don't I, I mean you do your homework I was at practice for four to five hours and then everything that compacts that and so that started taking a toll and I realized quickly that I was like the the lowest of the totem pole and and in high school, you know, I was the best at every, so many things and get to college and the rude awakening that I'm not the best player on the team. In fact, I'm really close to the bottom Yeah, and that just is a shock. So I'm trying to work overtime in that my grades keeping straight A's on top of that was not happening. College is so different. And so all these things that, I was trying that I felt like I got a handle on in high school, all of a sudden were collapsing and people Mm. were yelling at me and I needed to be here and I missed this meeting. And, and this was just shaking my world because I wasn't keeping it together and I didn't know how to handle it really. Mm -hmm. And so I started just breaking. And I remember there was a time when I, my anxiety was so high. And on top of this, I was actually, um, dealing with some health issues and so yeah and my anxiety I was just I was having constant panic attacks where I would be in my car and I need to go to class and I break out in a full panic attack and those are awful I those oh are. they're so awful and yeah and I couldn't breathe and I mm. knew something was wrong at this point mm-hmm. I I knew I couldn't keep living this way that something had to change but I had no idea what mm-hmm. or how, and I, I knew something was wrong. I think this was the first time the Heavenly Father was like, Tiff, 
you like this is not okay there's a different way but but I didn't see another way I, I mm-hmm. couldn't even see another way and my last year of college I actually did um I had to do kind of like a pre-thesis thing for um like as if we were going into our master's and I had to do a like a 26 page research paper and we could pick our topic and I actually did mine on depression and anxiety in yeah. Christian women. Oh wow. So huh. this was a, this has been a topic in my life that I've I've been passionate about for a long time and I did this whole research paper on it cuz I knew that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. But but again I didn't have the answer and shortly after I graduated um, I got married like the third year of college and mm-hmm. my health was still struggling. And I remember right before I got married, I had to go in and I had to go drop out of my student government, my student government um, calling, I guess, that I had my job that I had. And I remember telling them I couldn't do it. And that was one of the hardest things I'd ever done because I hadn't, I hadn't really ever had to do that. I hadn't Mm -hmm. had to tell someone I am not capable of doing this. And to me, it just looked like utter failure. Mm-hmm. And so, so this was kind of a crashing point. And you think, you think I would have just learned then, but yeah, I just I didn't know another way. And shortly after this, I was diagnosed with uh, a malformation um, in my brain that I'd had my whole life. It was called Arnold Chiari malformation, and I ended up oh having goodness. brain surgery. Oh wow! So I had brain brain surgery the first year of marriage, mm. and. After that, I, I actually started feeling like so much better than uh-huh. I had. Huh. And whether this was good or bad, but this became like, oh, that's why I couldn't handle everything I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I blamed this, this condition and this, these health issues on why I wasn't able to juggle it all. I see. So from there, though, it's like you're saying, we don't learn the first, you know, second, third, fourth time. We have to go through many series of lows. So, I mean, you had many there in college. Tell us about when you were finally the low, low. When, when, When you were there and you realized you can't live this way anymore. Like you said, something had to change. You, you saw that early, but when did you really know enough is enough? I can't live like this. For me, unfortunately, it took like rock bottom. So then you yeah. get married and you have kids and that perfectionist just grows. Because mm-hmm. then you have to be the, you have to be the perfect mom and the perfect wife and all these different things that, that expectation just grows bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't want to sell your spouse and you don't want to sell your child. And so I jumped right back into it. Even after this breaking point in college, yeah. after I had my my son, I just, I didn't know another way. Like I said, mm-hmm. I was trying, but I didn't know another way. And so I was right back in it, hustle, bustle, working, had a job, being full-time mom, never sleeping. And, yeah, you know, 10 years later down the road, this had to stop. And my health was taking yet another hit because I, I pushed it and I pushed it and, I'd already struggled for so long. And so long story short, I, I guess this isn't really long. It was a little, but long story short, I hit a point about four years, three and a half years ago when my health was so severe, I, I couldn't even get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like God really had to stop everything in my life where it was like, I had no other choice, but to find a different way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just me hoping to find another way, I had no other choice because um, in a series of a whole bunch of crappy events, my husband had a new job in a different state and he moved. I was left alone with my son. I couldn't get out of bed. I was sick. I had to close my business doors to my full-time design and marketing business that Mm -hmm. I'd been running for three and a half years. I, I couldn't exercise. I couldn't I mean, I, I had signed up for two triathlons, but I had to, I had to quit Hmm. and we were struggling with infertility and everything just stopped. Hmm. And I was in bed day after day and it shattered me Mm -hmm. in a way I have never been shattered. Mm -hmm. And 
wrecked my identity. Mm-hmm. And it was then that I had no other choice. I could, I had to find a different way or because I didn't feel like I should even be here. I was, I just, I didn't even know why I should keep living. Mm-hmm. It was, it was so intense. And so I knew I could either somehow find a different way or I would crumble into darkness and stop living. Mm-hmm. Don't you feel choices. like when you're at that rock bottom, even if you aren't um, considering taking your life, whether or not that's part of the equation, there is still this this feeling that, and like you're saying, you can't live like this. Um, and you know that. You know this is this life isn't worth living this way. Um, and that can inspire change. And for you, that did inspire a rebirth. And But rebirths yes. are hard and messy and they take time. So although, I mean, you share this more in your book, but maybe you can just give us a start there. What got you going along the path to that rebirth? Um... I think it's first it's that start of something has to change. I couldn't, I couldn't even be a mom. I couldn't be a wife. And I think for me, I had enough faith in God, even though it, it that experience really shook my core in mm-hmm. understanding God and who he was and why he did the things that he did and why yeah. after so many years of trying to just, be good and do good mm-hmm. that he would take everything away. And I luckily had enough core in me that I knew that there was a reason and I knew I had to figure it out. And so I had to come back to him and luckily he is such a gracious God and there's still so much good that there was, enough in me that was like, you have to fight, you have to fight Tiff. And so for me, it was just every day. It was just knowing that I had to fight to try to, I had this child who needed a mom Mm -hmm. and somehow I had to come back and I had a husband who had like lost his wife for a while and Uh I needed to do it for the people that loved me. I needed to do it because I knew that somehow God had a reason, even though I did not believe that really at the time I I tried, I wanted to want to believe that there was a reason in it. And that was really the motivation at first for me is trying to make sense of why all of this happened Mm -hmm. and understanding where I went wrong. I just, I wanted to understand what happened. And so that really was a flicker of hope for me that, somehow kept me going you keep using this word you know good you were just trying to be good and it's it's funny you say that because that is the word that has been in my mind for these years that I have been trying to process how I got to my low and how I could get out of it is this word of but I was good I was just trying to be good and but I think that part of of that rebirth is realizing when that you have left God out of that good equation when you have been trying to live so good and so perfectly all on your own without yeah. him with you and i see a big root to your ability to be to to be rebirthed to recover in you owning that you couldn't do it alone you're owning, you're embracing the broken, like you say, but there was something different about owning the broken that led to you actually being able to move forward, onward, upward. Yes, really, the root of all that is pride. Hmm. Perfectionism is pride. Yeah. And we don't, I didn't realize it, and I talk about this in my book, that I, I didn't think I was a prideful person uh-huh. especially as a perfectionist you find every flaw and you're mm-hmm. you see it everywhere you're not you're not perfect and 
so I didn't think I was a prideful person. Yeah. I didn't think I was trying to do it alone. And I, but it is. Perfectionism is pride of the worst kind. And mm-hmm. it distanced us from God and its enmity towards God. And that, and it apparently I was one of the, the best at being prideful and keeping myself, which just is crazy, but it was the pride that had to be shattered from me uh-huh. to realize that I am nothing. And the problem is, as a perfectionist, you attach everything that you do, how well you do it, and what, how far you achieve to who you are. And that is who yes. you are. Your worth. And you say that a lot it in your is book, your worth. too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and so, of course, you have to keep up those expectations because that's who you are. And, and, and in return, that's actually so much pride. And I didn't know that. And so it's the pride that God had to strip from me and put me in a place where I was like, I surrender. I completely a hundred percent surrender because I can't even get out of bed. I don't want to get out of bed. So take the will God because yeah. I don't even know where to begin. And that put me in the most powerful place, although it did not feel like it at the time, mm-hmm. that put me in the most powerful place I could ever be. And mm-hmm. anyone who's been through serious trauma or brokenness, it is that moment of complete 100% surrender that we step into power that we never have before. Wow. I just love how that works, right? Because it doesn't seem like it should, but that's the only way. And I'm going to tell you this from someone who it's, this is the lesson that I keep getting be over the head with. And it's taken me, you know, over 10 years to learn that I have to surrender because for me, my relationship with God became very troubled because I thought I had been good and I was trying to prove, continue to prove my righteousness, my goodness, and my worth to God in order to get his help instead of just uh, owning my brokenness. And I, yeah. you are right, Tiffany. That is the only way that you will get out of this. And, and you go into so much more in this. And I keep saying, you know, in your book you do, but I, it's because I want people to read it. I mean, I, I highlighted so much of your book. I wanted to use two quotes a page throughout this whole interview. <laughs> it, it's so incredible. Um, but I would like to know a little bit more about what you have learned about perfectionism. Now, you just said perfectionism is pride. And you also say in your book that it's fear. So what is, yeah. what, can you just talk a little bit more about what perfectionism really is? Yes. Actually, I just watched an interview that you did um, about this. And you say, you say perfectionism is evil. It's evil. And when I heard you say that, I was like, a freaking men. Uh Because um, it is. Gosh, it's evil. And, Mm. you know, I think if I were to digest, like, what is perfectionism? Okay. It is an all or nothing approach to life. It's Mm -hmm. abusive. It is rooted in fear of the ugliest kind of fear. Mm -hmm. It's controlling. It wants, it, it has zero choice, um, free agency. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain this a little better, but perfectionism wants to take away all choices and control every part of our life. Wow. I didn't think about that too, but you are right. There's only one way to control. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, I mean, I come from a Christian background and I know there's some readers that may not, but for me, I, I mean, let's talk about this abusive, fear rooted, Uh pride, controlling, taking Mm -hmm. away our agency. I mean, like perfectionism is state and spawn. Like, let's Mm -hmm. be honest. It is just, it is evil and it is twisted in a way that looks like it's a righteous desire. And I talk about this um, more in depth, obviously in my book, but I thought, because in the scriptures, it talks about perfect. And this is where we get messed, messed up. Mm -hmm. And so why would, 
why would the adversary not take this word that's in the scriptures and twist its meaning so that we as women, as followers of Christ, as, um, you know, especially as Christian women, but even in the world, trying to strive to something that we're supposed to be like, and he's twisted it. And I remember growing up, I, I, I thought I needed to be equal to Jesus Christ. Um, as a Christian and as a disciple, that's who I believe in. And I always thought I needed to be equal to who he was. Uh-huh. To deserve his and help, too, right? To deserve his help, too. So we're, like, trying to get on this ladder. Like, he's at the top of the ladder, and we're climbing next and trying to get to where he is. And so... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anyways, and so that perfectionism, I just thought that's where I had to get. But, but perfectionism is not that. It's everything that God isn't. Mm-hmm. And at least that's how I feel about it. Yes. But it is. I mean, your experience, did it not want to control? It wanted to be in control of everything that you did and everything that you appear. And it's, it's so abusive. Yeah. I like that word that you use, too. You use that. And that was one of those aha moments I had reading your book. That is the cycle of self-abuse. Um, you know, let's let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about why we do it. Then, what? How is it presented to us in a way? How does it lie to us? Perfectionism, in a way that we are drawn to it, but we're also being pushed to it in our culture. Yes, I. I mean, first of all, it's that twisted truth, taking something that was meant to be a word in the scriptures and in Christian at Christian at, whoa, can't even say that. Anyways, where we are told to be perfect, like mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And so, and then we live in a world that demands flawlessness. Everything in our world is always trying to improve, get rid of the flaws everything in our Mm. world we're you know we talked about this for a second but just even what we're demanded to get into colleges and then to get good jobs and everything is a competition in our world and so how can you not fall into it when to be successful you're basically told you have to be flawless yeah and we see that all day every day if you're on your phone at all are on social media, that's our reading magazines or books. It's all around us. We're trained to be that way. Cause let's be honest. We always say on social media, we're always like, Oh, I just wish it wasn't so perfect. And everyone would be more honest and everyone would say these. And yet like, who do we want to follow? We want to follow those with pretty pictures and we want to follow those with pretty content. And mm-hmm. we're doing it to ourselves. We don't want to follow if someone doesn't have all the prettiness. And we, we, we want beautiful in our life. And we want perfection. Yeah. We and almost so, want it to exist. We want perfection to exist. Yeah. When it just and doesn't. The, the ugly is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And nobody likes to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and so we're, I think we're just trained this way. Like, I don't know, like, as, a, as humans. We, we hate the brokenness. We mm. hate the ugly. We, we hate the uncomfortable. And it's shame, you know? Yes. I, I love that this topic of shame is just becoming so... I think we all have realized there's a problem because mm-hmm. perfectionism, shame, fear, all of these things are starting to have more light and you're starting to find these answers because people know there's there's there's... A, you know, there's a problem. And, and so I kind of got off track there. No, I think didn't. we, no, this is great. I, I mean, it's easy. It's easy to see why we fall into perfectionism to answer yes. your first question, because yeah. we don't really have a choice. Like the world is demanding it of us uh-huh. and really to not fall into it. It's not just, you have to fight. 
you have to constantly fight to choose a different way. Yeah. And I, I think the braver we can each get in being honest, but here's the reason we don't be honest is we are so afraid of being judged yeah. and the judgment that we give to each other is propelling this perfectionism. And so somehow as each of us takes courage in sharing our story and being honest, I, I, I do believe that we can slowly break down the facade of perfection and, and learn to embrace each other more fully and to accept our brokenness as we, I, I know for me personally, as I have truly been able to learn to love myself and accept my brokenness, my ability to accept everybody else's has amplified mm-hmm. exponentially. Yes. And people's stories just, I just want to wrap them in my arms. And, mm-hmm. and there's so much power when we can take off the mask and start looking at each other more honestly. Goodness, and I think yeah. that is the biggest step is taking courage and being able to take off the mask and, <sighs> and learning in the Christian world too, that, that, that word perfect is not near God never intended it to mean flawless ever. Mm-hmm. And Satan twisted that truth in a very weird way. And we as Christians need to know that it means wholeness. And doesn't that word just find like so much more peace in it? It does. Like, of co- like wholeness and and unity with the one person who ever walked this earth who was perfect and who was completely whole with God. And to become unified with him, unified with God, and unified with each other. And that is what we're striving for, not flawlessness, like the yes. world tells us we need to be. Well, and... Another word that I have been putting in that place, in place of be therefore perfect, I say, um, progress. I feel like that's the the direction we're getting. Progress, grow, learn, line upon line. And little by little, you will get here. You will get to where you're supposed to be, which is perfection. But like you said, perfection perfection truly is wholeness. And we won't get there you know, on our own either, which is a huge thing of what you talk about too. Yes, I love that. And it's so true. And I think that has been the biggest change for me when, mm-hmm. when I hit that rock bottom and I had to find God in a way I never had before. And to be honest, my relationship with God was strained. And so uh-huh. for me, I first had to find Jesus Christ. And I had to find this man and see if I really believed all the things that all his promises that he said he had, if I really, really believed them and could apply them in my life. And so that wholeness is just like changed my life, Mm -hmm. learning to be able to grow line upon line and accepting that I have so much brokenness and it's okay it's okay. And it's it's part of the plan. And it's, it's okay that we are not, that we don't have it all together. And it's okay that we have weaknesses. It's, it's awesome because really as humans, we want to make this life all about us. We want to make everything about us. And God wants us to make it about him. And Mm. when we stop comparing ourselves and making our lives about us, and instead we change and make it about him, everything changes and that's ultimately what he wants anyways is is a full surrender and accepting that he is who we need to glorify not ourselves and so for me that was the biggest changing point is realizing my whole life as a perfectionist was consumed with who I was how successful I was how I looked how my marriage looked how I looked as a mother and it is always about I Mm -hmm. and that's how can you ever know who God is when your eyes are constantly on you and how can you really love others and serve others in a way when you are constantly concerned about you and so my life changed when it was just 
and so much freedom in turning my eyes back to where they were supposed to be in the first place on God and my Savior and realizing that it's okay that I'm a mess right now and it's okay that I don't have it all together because I am not who I am right now. None of us are who we are right now. And that changed everything for me. Having hope Mm. that I get to grow forever and I never have to stay the same ever. Mm -hmm. And that is freedom and exciting and hopeful. And when your life is now lived by hope and not fear, everything changes, but gosh, it's still so messy. So messy. I was just going to say that and owning that it's going to look super messy. So for someone like me who needs like actual things to do, I'm trying to um, take away from what you said. So there's a lot of humility, owning your brokenness, um, turning upward, turning outward. Um, but the actual logistics of this, I think probably entails a lot of thought work, journaling, reading, studying. Um, what else, what else can someone actually do, do to make this process happen? Um, forgiveness. I think that's a a big one is forgiveness, learning. I think that's the first step for a while. My understanding of Christ's grace was like mercy. Like it was almost like, ah, you missed a step, but it's okay. Maybe next time. Kind of like this mercy, you know what I mean? Like an after the fact thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like an after the fact, like, ah, that's too bad. You sucked at that. But maybe next time, kid, you'll get it. Uh (laughs) But I forgive you. You know what I mean? Like, but there there was still so much shame attached to it. And Mm. when I learned to have like true forgiveness for myself, because especially as women, it's so easy for us to forgive others, but to forgive ourselves for some reason is the most difficult thing in the Mm. world. And that forgiveness and it, and for anyone who's not of, you know, Christian faith, I think it all stems from love. If I were to yeah. like root it down is learning to live by love <sighs> and love for ourselves, love for others. And there is no love in perfectionism. There's zero love. Yeah. And if we can truly learn to just love where we're at and learn to forgive ourselves, we make room for progress. We make, we open ourselves up to be able to, to just grow slowly. Because we know our worth isn't hingent on a perfect end result or achievement. So let's talk about how complicated that can be. Let's talk about the messiness of loving yourself, loving others, loving God, and accepting yourself, but still trying to progress. That can be complicated, right? But but otherwise, we're going to be depressed in a different way. So we're not growing in a different way. So let's talk about that, Tiffany. What are your thoughts on that? That struggle. It, it's hard and it's so real. It's such a real struggle. I, I'm still trying to figure it out right now because I'm at a huge crossroads and trying to understand God's timing. I And God does want us to progress and he wants us to become something and he wants us to be powerful and he wants us to make a difference in all these things. And I... And so learning how to accept that we're human, accept that we're broken, yet still try to be powerful at the same time and not give in to perfectionism. I mean, it's a trick trying to balance all of that for sure. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it's so important that we always still have dreams and goals. But I think for me the distraction and making sure my priorities are always in check. Mm. And like we talked about another huge takeaway for people, if they're struggling with this is learning. And this takes time to detach all of our experiences from who we are. I think if I were to go back and answer your first question, that is the biggest step is learning that I am not what I do Mm -hmm. good or bad. I successful or failing that does not equate to who I am. And when we can learn to detach ourselves from our mortal experiences and our successes and our failures, we have power because now those things don't hinge on who we are. 
And mm. once we do that, we have so much room now for growth and to be able to, for God to take our lives and to make something incredible out of it. And for me, I know that I will always be shown my weaknesses and learning to have forgiveness for those weaknesses and taking them and reminding myself that these weaknesses are not about me. They're about an opportunity for me to take them to my Savior, Jesus Christ, and for Him to show me who He is. And to continually know that God is a God that often makes us wait, and He isn't going to give us all the answers, and He wants us to grow. And although He wants us to do powerful things and have dreams and have goals, that the most important goal of his is to change who we are. Hmm. And as I've realized that everything that I'm trying to achieve in life is awesome and it's good for me to have dreams and goals, but I have to always remember that God's goal is to change me. And so when we are in seasons of waiting and we are in seasons of blindness and when we are in seasons of not knowing the answers, understanding that it's not that we're doing something wrong, but that there's going to be those seasons when we're growing slow or we don't understand because God is changing us from the inside out and, but that he still cares about our dreams and goals. And, and that's like the process of growing here and progressing. It's slow and it's ugly and it's messy. Um, but it's changing who we are. See, I've identified some things from what you said about how if we are, maybe some people are like us, they've been caught up in these perfectionism cycles, and they still want to grow, but they're afraid of slipping back into some bad habits or uh, dark times. So maybe some ways to know the difference as if, of, if you're really growing or if you are getting stuck in bad cycles again is to identify your primary motivation. Are you driven by shame? Are you driven to find out who you really are and to grow and and develop? And a lot of times I think that comes down to cutting down the rush rush in our lives and taking time to invest every day in getting centered and slowing down and really working on who you are deep inside you. Because busyness is another huge trap, I think, that we've seen come up in this conversation a lot too. Yes. The, the not making time. So yes, I get what you're saying here now. For me, making sure I find time every day to hear God's voice. Uh-huh. I think that's crucial for everybody, mm-hmm. especially. And sometimes his voice is very vague. But if we put in the effort to try to hear it and making that time of solitude and for me, like really practicing some meditation and some pondering and grounding that is huge every day um, to -hmm. keep ourselves grounded in, in where we're headed. Because a lot of times in life, it's going to feel like we retract and we're going to feel like we did something wrong and we're not growing. But part of the growth often is retracting back and coming forward because we're different each time as we retract. And we have to remember that we're not falling backwards, even when it feels like we are Uh that we're different and sometimes our retractions are just new opportunities to learn a different way, but it doesn't mean that we're like, we've gone two, three steps back. We're never going three steps back. I think as long as we're still trying, you know? Yeah. And it it can be messy like that. Like you've said, like growth is messy. So I wanted to know how are things messy for you right now? How, you know, what are, what are you grappling with in this balance? Oh my goodness. So much right now. I think (laughs) I, those times of stillness are hard and I, and and so I wrote my book and when I, I actually got pregnant in the middle of all of my book Uh and we were told we would never have kids again. Wow. We were going to do IVF twice last year and it wasn't right. I ended Mm. up having my hope works talk and I, I got the opportunity to write the book and I let go of having kids. And that was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make mm. was choosing a new path. And so I let go of it all. And when I, I signed my book contract in January and I was all in and I was ready to take this on and 
I wrote the book and I got the manuscript in and I had a big plan for this fall and it was going to open my business that's been on my heart for three years that I finally felt was right. And I turned in my manuscript and I got so sick and I was trying to finish edits and I didn't know I was so sick and come to find out I was pregnant with a sweet miracle <laughs> child that I it's never amazing. thought I would have. It is so amazing. Yeah. And I, I was like heavenly father. And then I was so sick, like all the big plans I had for fall, everything uh -huh. that I was like, I was just, Oh, talk about a gamut of emotions for me. And yeah, I all, so all of a sudden was in this mess again. And I'm like, but you told me to write this book and I, <laughs> I let go of having kids. And why now? And, yeah. and so I'm finding myself back in the state of stillness of trying to trust that somehow God still cares about all the things that I thought I wanted to do. Trusting that the sweet child is coming at the most perfect time trying some days I still just cry and I'm like I don't understand and it's messy and I had all these dreams and goals and I feel like I just but yeah all I ever want to do in the first place is be a mom and so you have this internal struggle all the time and mm -hmm. and really I just I think forever for the rest of my life I'm going to have to learn how to surrender and it comes back to that is learning to trust that God really knows what he's doing and he's never gonna like he cares about our lives and he always has a plan that is going to make us happy. And if we can trust him and cling to that and, and my days are so much slower than they were at the beginning of the year. And I'm, and my body's weak and growing this sweet child has been very challenging for me physically. And, yeah. and so I'm having to learn all over again, how to grow slow and to be okay that all those things I wanted to do are falling through the cracks and, to be able to let go and learn that at the end of the day, the most important thing is that I'm learning and clinging to my Savior, Jesus Christ. And each day, as long as I try to do what I can in a short amount of time to hear his voice, I just have to trust that God's still leading me, line, leading me along, even though none of this makes sense to me right uh -huh. now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I feel like um, I'm at a similar crossroads. But I feel like... Um, most women feel that way too. They feel that struggle. They they struggle to know what their place is, their purpose, their mission. They grapple with knowing about timing and seasons of life and when they're supposed to be doing something or focusing on something else. It's a constant struggle. But I like how what you say is what really matters is where you're centering your heart and 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 where you're putting your motivations and you will be led in the right direction if you're doing that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think for so many of us, we start doubting that maybe we're not supposed to, you know, keep, um, keep after our dreams and goals. I think we start doubting that maybe it's wrong, even though we got the answer to do it in the first place, because it's going so much slower than we would have ever liked it to go. I think for me, it's like, well, I, I wanted to do these other things. And so it must not be right now. I think, it's easy to feel like that, especially as a mother, when you know that raising a child is, is so important for you and the, your first priority. But I think it's because we don't want to grow slow and we're like, it must be wrong because I'm not going as fast as I think I should be. And <sighs> for me, it's letting, letting go of knowing that if it was right, it will be right. I just have to keep stepping forward and keep like don't lose hope in those goals and those dreams but be flexible for God to move you and to know that in the process he's changing you and that he's going to redirect you and yes. I as perfectionist you want a to z a straight line and God never ever works in that straight line and so yeah. be o open to knowing that your dreams and goals may change a little bit. Timing may be off. You're going to doubt if it's right. You're going to doubt if you're in the right direction. But as long as you're connected to him, he's never going to take you in a place that you've messed up. And he's always going to be able to make something out of what, like where you're at. And he does care about those dreams and goals, but he cares about you too. And so it might just be a lot more painfully slow, like slower than you want it to be. And trusting that he has seasons, and that those seasons come and go, and they always do. And so yes. just to cling that 
that's part of life. There's going to be seasons when we can hardly do anything. And, you know, in the scriptures, he talks so much about making, making his people wait. I mean, Jesus Christ himself, his ministry was only three years out of his whole life. And God was preparing him all those years to have a three-year ministry. And the Israelites were stuck, you know, wandering and wandering. And wandering and waiting is part of God. <laughs> and so I think if we can realize that that doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong, if we're wandering and waiting right now, it just means God's taking the time to change us, to prepare us to, for whatever it is that he has for us to do. So I have a final question for you, Tiffany. But before I get to that, where can people find your book, Embracing the Broken? Yeah, it is on Amazon and or um, on Amazon as Kindle and um, as a soft cover, or you can get a Deseret book or Siegel book. And I'm pretty sure Barnes and Noble online and some of their stores do have it. If you go in though, they have it and you can order it through Barnes and Noble. So any of those places you can get my book, Embracing the Broken. Yeah. So if you thought hearing from Tiffany Hare was good, you absolutely have to read the book. It is one of those ones that I'm going to keep reading and going back through with the highlights that I created there. So well done, Tiffany. I, I did want to talk about you creating this big book and how hard that was and like how you did it, but that's going to have to come another time, I think. So instead, let's hear this question I like to ask each guest, and that's what have you learned about yourself the past few years? Oh, man. I think that if anything that I've learned not about myself, but I've learned how to love myself. Oh yeah. And I think for any of us, that is so crucial. And for me, that was a huge part of this journey is to learn that even despite all the things that I feel like I'm failing in, that I can have a sense of love and hope in who I am and who I'm becoming. And I don't have to be stuck in all the things that I didn't do. And also just what I've learned about myself is that it's okay to grow slow and it's okay that I'm not all the things that I think I should be. And I don't know, that has been life changing for me. And of course, wow. I think anyone, anyone knows like they're stronger and they're more capable but for me, it's just knowing that I'm okay right where I'm at and that I kept striving to try to get to this, this place of perfection. But for me, I've learned how to have peace and contentment in the seasons that I'm in. And that was mm -hmm. something that I never had before was peace. And that has changed everything for me. Well, Tiffany, this was absolutely worth the wait. <laughs> You are incredible. I'm so grateful that you would be on the show. Thank you very, very much. Oh, thank you for having This has been an honor, and I'm just so thankful for the work that you do. It aligns with my mission, obviously. We talked yeah. about this, but I love it, and I'm thankful for the good you're doing, and keep just keep at it. I am so you thankful too. for it. So thank you for having me. Thanks, Tish. I hope you enjoyed that. It was more of a discussion-based than an interview, I would say, my normal go-to, which was fun to mix it up. Tiffany's thoughts on perfectionism for sure is incredible and life-changing, but I also loved how we spoke so much on the messiness of life and that if it's feeling messy and you're still trying, then you are doing it right, and I hope that's what you got out of this message today. You definitely need to put her book on your list at least for yourself or for someone else, Embracing the Broken. I have linked to that in my show notes, which you can find at aboutprogress.com. I've also linked to a similar podcast that happened this past month with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. She has a special Christmas deal going on right now for her courses. If you didn't get a chance to listen to her episode, definitely go back to listen to it. It's her third interview she's done with me, and this one was on a similar topic, but we did it as, um, from the framework of get over yourself, how to get over you getting in the way of your own progress and joy in life. Um, so definitely check that out as well as the code to her special deal going on, which I have on the show notes as well. 
I want to just say goodbye now because I know this has been longer than normal, but before I do that, another big thank you and a virtual hug here. Thank you for supporting me in this podcast, and I'm feeling really good about the direction we're headed, and I can't wait to tell you more about where I'm feeling we are supposed to go together as a community. So I will talk to you again next Wednesday with another great interview, and until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.